What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome to I Do Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. Whether you're single, dating, married, or struggling in a relationship, we're here to help give you the tools to succeed. On today's episode, we welcome Laura Doyle, and Laura is a New York Times bestselling author whose books have been translated into 16 languages and published in 27 countries. I think she's our first guest that also has a TV show on Amazon Prime under the name The Empowered Wife's Club, and she has a book out called The Empowered Wife, and Laura has a ton of great information. She got into the relationship help sphere like a lot of our guests when she was trying to improve her own marriage. Her marriage was going down a very rocky path and did not look good for the future. In fact, she says she was sure that they were headed for divorce. So she set out to fix her marriage and along the way got a ton of great information, applied it to her marriage and then started helping other people. And today we zero in and talk about how you can improve your sex life and how she says sex can be better in marriage and what to do if it's not. And there's a lot of really unique tools that we haven't really heard before and things that you don't necessarily, a lot of times when you talk about improving the sex life, people think, I know at least I do, that, all right, it's a, it's about the sex and how do you, but, and how do you fix that? And, and you're trying to diagnose it. But the reality is, is you need to look elsewhere. And a lot of times it's about communication. It's about the respect that the husband feels from the wife is is her particular example that she ran into in her own marriage. So she gives a lot of great tools to navigate that and improve your relationship and improve your sex life. And Laura goes over one specific tool that really hit home with me. Um, ladies, if you're out there and you are ever controlling or feel that you are trying to help your husband, but it kind of backfires on you. And, um, Laura goes over that situation. She, she actually dealt with the same situation and it really, uh, was exactly a scenario that I was dealing with, with chase and come to find out a lot of times when you try to help your husbands, they can find it as criticism. So I think, going forward, now that I've heard that, I'm really going to be able to implement that and hopefully not have any of those situations again in our relationship. And it's not one-sided. There's ways that the men can work on the, the advice that Laura gives in today's episode. So I really enjoyed it myself. And as always, we really appreciate you guys listening, subscribing on iTunes, telling your friends, leaving us reviews. We always love to hear from our listeners and know that we are not the only ones getting great relationship advice advice because we love hearing it from our guests, but that we are reaching you guys out there in the podcasting sphere. What do they call, they call it? The blogosphere. What would you call the pot the podcast sphere? Potosphere? Potosphere. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways, uh, enjoy today's show. 
Support for I Do Podcast comes from Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. Join over 500,000 people who have used Talkspace for online therapy with their licensed therapist. Get $30 off your first month by visiting Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's one word, I-D-O. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So we've given our listeners a little overview. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I never set out to be a relationship expert. In fact, I actually was the perfect wife until I actually got married. And then when I tried to tell my husband how he could dress better and eat more healthy and be more romantic and, and, you know, do better with cleaning up around the house. He avoided me and I was really in a lot of pain. Actually, I couldn't understand what, what went wrong after such a few short years of marriage that he was more interested in watching reruns than he was in spending time with me or even making love to me. And so I knew that the answer was to make him go to marriage counseling. So I did that. I dragged him to marriage counseling so that the counselor could fix him. And then I would finally be happy because that's how I thought it worked. But of course, it didn't work. In fact, in marriage counseling, that's when I felt the most hopeless. And I realized I was either going to spend the rest of my life in a loveless marriage or I had to get divorced. The only problem was I was too embarrassed to get divorced. So as a last-ditch effort, I decided to ask women who had been married for what seemed like an eternity, which was 15 years, for their secrets to a happy marriage. And the things they said were shocking. They didn't even make sense to me. I remember one woman said, I try never to criticize my husband, no matter how much it seems like he deserves it. And I was like, mm, well, have you got anything else? Because, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And uh, But in my desperation, I, I did decide to take all their suggestions on board. And I made my marriage a laboratory. And I tried things. And if they worked, I kept them. If they didn't, I threw them out. And what emerged were what I now call the six intimacy skills. And if I stuck to those, it went pretty well at our house. I remember... One time after I'd been practicing them for a while, I came through the door and my husband's face lit up like he was happy to see me again. And that had been gone for a long time. So I thought, wow, this is working. And then I recruited my friends to, you know, part of the puzzle piece was that I could no longer control my husband. So I just decided to start controlling my girlfriends instead and telling them what to do in their relationships. And they would, they would try the things I had told them and, they were getting great results too. So someone said, hey, write all this down for my friend in uh, Florida. And I did. And that became uh, my first book. And when Dateline NBC did a investigative report on my methods, the book went to number one on Amazon. So and now I'm in uh, 19 languages and 30 countries. And I just never dreamed I would have this amazing platform. But now I'm on a mission to end world divorce because I just don't want anybody to suffer unnecessarily just because they weren't trained. Then no one ever taught them the intimacy skills. We love that story. And so many times 
people look towards changing their partner when they're unhappy in the relationship. But it seems like with your situation and, and what we hear a lot is for advice is that you need to look inwards first and, and think about changing yourself. Now, there's obviously exceptions when there are some things that just aren't acceptable in a relationship. But a lot of times we want to criticize and and blame when it's actually we have to look within to get the change that we want. Absolutely. And in fact, what was really interesting for me, too, is I'm a I'm a feminist. You know, I want women to have equal opportunity in the world. And but I thought that meant that women and men were really the same. And I used to get really offended when people said, oh, no, men and women are different, because I thought that meant that women would lose professionally. Um, but I couldn't have been more wrong. And And now I just love the part of really taking responsibility for myself also meant learning about and embracing my feminine gifts, which uh, the world needs and my relationship needs. And and I feel a great sense of ease um, and empowerment about knowing what those are. So really the, the broken marriage that I was experiencing was a portal to like the best self-improvement program I've ever undertaken. It really helped me become my best self. So it really speaks to what you're saying uh, as far as looking, looking at, I call it, you know, cleaning up my own side of the street or looking at my, my own paper. I call it my own paper, like all the decisions that I make, how much I sleep and what I watch on TV or what I eat or um, who I talk to during the day. That's all uh, up to me, and I have so much influence over my husband when I use uh, my energy wisely, when I make those decisions wisely. He really responds to me like the man who wooed me, the man I fell in love with, Um, and so it's been just uh, an eye-opening experience to see that. Well, there's so many things that we can dive into with all these intimacy skills, but we want to focus on a topic that I think a lot of our listeners, and I know we will be interested in, is how sex is better when you're married and almost maybe more importantly in what to do if it's not. So let's jump right into this. How is sex better when you're married? Well, for one thing, um, I think there's a tremendous sense of emotional safety when you're, and I'll just speak from a wife's perspective because that's all I've got, but you're having sex with your husband. So in front of God and everybody, he has committed to you and chosen you above everyone else. So there's a sense of specialness that you have with you at all times. And also um, that you're in this for the long term. So there's plenty of time to practice and everything gets better with practice. But because of that emotional safety, we can actually also um, rely on one of our feminine gifts. So I so this is something that I did. And it was really great because um, before I knew the intimacy skills, I would just complain. Like I would just get frustrated. Like, no, not like, like I need more time to warm up or whatever. Right. So um, like brace yourself is not foreplay. And um, so since then I've learned how to express my desires in a way that inspires him. My husband wants to make me happy. And in fact, now he's memorized a complicated set of instructions that um, are, are reliably um, make me feel good in bed. And that's something that I wanted, but I just wanted him to figure it out. I didn't want to have to figure it out for myself at first. And of course, that doesn't work. Husbands aren't mind readers. So it was just a wonderful thing to go through the process of knowing that he was wanting me to be happy. And if I expressed my desires, he would try to 
fulfill on them. He would bust himself trying to fulfill on them and that we had a lifetime to practice to get better. So um, that was a big part of it. But I think the other piece that made a big difference too was also um, learning to take a feminine approach to sex instead of um, like I used to, this is embarrassing to admit, but I used to stand with my arms on my hips and just say, um, you know, the average couple has sex two and a half times per week and we haven't done it in two weeks. So I really think we should have sex. And that was not, um, you know, that wasn't sexy at all. That wasn't seductive <laughs> to my husband at all. And um, so, but really when I am uh, vulnerable, when I just trust that I am a magnet and use um, my body and my scent and my voice uh, instead of barking orders, well, that's when I get those butterflies in my stomach again, right? That's when the real exhilaration and excitement is present. And it's just... Um, uh, that vulnerability really lends to, to the uh, exhilaration of sex. And um, I, I just think there's nothing like it. And I don't know that you can, I don't think you can have that outside of marriage because there's something about that safety of knowing he chose me. Absolutely. And a big thing that you're talking about is, is, communication in expressing the desires like you said your husband can't read your mind so so much of conflict and, and resolution revolves around communication in a relationship so are there any things that that you can point to that helped you in in the communication part of this equation yeah I love that question in fact I'd love to teach everyone how to express their desires in a way that inspires real quick because it's just been so life-changing for me. So in the old days, I used to just uh, complain. Like I'd say to my husband, I'd say, uh, John, this kitchen is a disaster. And because men can't really even hear us when we're complaining, all he got out of that was John, blah, 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 blah. But then um, I finally, and I tried for years to like, you know, and I also expected him to jump off the couch, by the way, when I said this, and start cleaning the kitchen, and that just never happened. So, but when I finally learned how to um, express my desire, that really tapped into his hero gene. And all men have this hero gene where um, they just uh, really relish the opportunity to fulfill on our desires. So I just said, um, I, John, I would love to have a clean kitchen. And he was like, oh, okay, well, like I'll do the dishes. And he did jump up and start doing the dishes. And that was like 16 years ago, and he's been doing them ever since. I don't do the dishes around here anymore. He takes care of all that. So, um, and, and so the formula is to use these actual words. You know, you speak of talking about communication. It's been helpful for me to have, I call these cheat phrases, to know what to say when so that my husband can hear me and then I get a good response. And it's, um, so I start out with the words, I would love, and then I fill in with the final outcome of what I'm looking for. So not what he should do, but what I would love. So for example, I remember one woman said, well, I want him you know, I would love for him to make more money. And it's like, well, okay, that's about him. That's not about you. So what would you have, you know, if he made more money? And she's like, well, I'd be able to buy things. And things is still kind of vague. It's not super inspiring. And then I, so I said, well, you know, what would you be able to buy? And she's like, well, I need new boots. So for her, the answer was, you know, I would love to buy new boots. And that's something her husband can hear and then do something about versus you need to make more money just comes off as a criticism and it's kind of demoralizing and emasculating. Um, And I know this from personal experience because that's the kind of thing I used to say to my husband and we ended up 
um, really in, a, in an awful ditch where I felt like he didn't care about me and he felt like he could never please me. So expressing your desires in a way that inspires has been really life-changing. It makes a lot of sense. It's it's like positive reinforcement. So rather than phrasing what you want in maybe a negative light saying, we never have sex enough, so let's have sex more this week. It's it's like almost automatic negative response. Whereas I, I love... I would love if we would do this, even if it's, if it doesn't have to be sex, like you said, doing the dishes, it's just the framework and that the communication is around. It, it's going to make your partner and you, your example was with, with your husband, but I think even the reverse, if I wanted Sarah to, to try to do something, I could frame it that way. And it's just such a better form of communication. Yeah, it really is um, very uplifting to see just how motivated my husband is when I use that that frame, and it's so it's kind of interesting because um, so when I when I was struggling, I really just didn't believe that he cared about my happiness. But since then, I've asked thousands of men how important it is that their wives are happy. In fact, Chase, I'm going to ask you. So, how important is it to you that Sarah is happy? Very important. Yeah, so I love that. So, and every man I've ever asked has said the same exact thing. They say it's very important, or it's the most important thing. Or a guy from Great Britain said it's imperative. So, uh, and this was just a revelation for me, and I think for a lot of wives, a lot of wives will say, "No, my husband doesn't care," and it really just comes down to that we haven't been taught how to tap into that hero gene um, the right way. So this expressing your desires thing has just been powerful for that. Now, as far as um, trying to get my husband more interested in bedroom activities, I probably wouldn't use expressing my desires around that because what I've found is that um, the, actually the best aphrodisiac for men on the planet is respect. When my husband feels respected, I'm like this amazing magnet that he just can't keep his hands off and he can't resist. And um, I've just really seen that over time. In fact, um, recently I was brushing crumbs off the counter and he actually said, oh, don't move. And he got out his phone to start taking pictures of me like I'm the supermodel that he's been married to for 28 years, you know. And it makes me unspeakably grateful to be so loved after all this time. But I know that that's, um, that's to me is evidence that he feels respected. And so my natural magnetism is, is shining through. And I, you know, I had been blocking it previously with, because I'd kind of taken on the, you know, martyr role of like putting everyone else first and just kind of being cranky a lot because I didn't, um, I didn't indulge as much time as I do now in uh, taking care of my own pleasure, just delighting myself. Um, whether, you know, for me, that means like, I love to play volleyball, for instance, and I love sushi or meeting a friend for a cup of coffee or taking a bath and taking a walk, you know, singing at the top of my lungs is way up there for me. So it's been interesting how, um, really being, I think what, what a lot of women consider a little bit selfish has gone such a long way toward making my marriage amazing and making me a happier Laura, who's a better, you know, I'm, I'm better everything. I'm a better wife and coworker and, um, you know, daughter and sister and everything else. So, um, so that's one of the intimacy skills too, is just really uh, focusing on replenishing your spirit. And all these 
skills that you're saying, they are from a lot of the women that had been married for for years and years and years, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's where I guess. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was just like a, you know, I'd get a little bit here and a little bit there and I just kind of put it together um, with the, through the lens of my own experience, you know, seeing what happened with my husband. And when I started asking them, I really thought they were going to say, well, you know, I just married a great guy. Like I had, I was convinced I just I chose lucky. the wrong person. <laughs> I got lucky and I did it. And uh, so I was really pretty deep into kind of a victim mentality. Like, oh, I just have to wait for him to change. Kind of like you were saying earlier, Chase, about the, you know, the illusion of thinking, oh, if only my partner would change. And um, gosh, it's just been so empowering to realize that I held the key. And especially as women, um, you know, I believe we have tremendous power in our relationships. I believe we are the keepers of the relationship. And then just like with Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So I believe we have a responsibility to learn these skills. And it's kind of interesting to me that there's no, you know, there was no relationships 101 course at my school, and there probably wasn't at yours either. I mean, I had a little self-study course, and my textbooks were, um, you know, Glamour Magazine and Cosmopolitan. And I just somehow didn't get what I needed out of those magazines. Um, but I figured because we just loved each other so much, everything would be fine. But I just think about, like, you wouldn't sit down at a musical instrument and just think, wow, I hope I'm good at playing piano. You know, you would know that you'd need some lessons and you'd have to maybe practice some scales and things like that to really be good at it. And I just can't think of anything that's more worthwhile to learn and practice than loving and being loved in return. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that we go over a lot of how important relationships are, if not some of the most important things in our life. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I just, it's kind of frustrating to me that the information is not widely available. In fact, um, I get, I get really angered because in my experience, when I was trying to fix my marriage, I got a lot of bad information about how to fix my marriage. And that just, made me you know I just dug my hole deeper trying to follow it and um, so you know sometimes I'll read something and I'll just want to punch somebody in the nose because I'm so frustrated with uh, how much wrong stuff how many myths there are about marriage like I remember um, I'm not too long ago I read one where it said you know if your husband's not physically affectionate you need to let him know that you have a deep concern about his lack of physical affection and you want him to work on it right so like okay I, you know I tried that <laughs> let me just tell you I got wall-to-wall hostility and I never I mean it never scratched my itch because yeah maybe I get you know I'd say I want a hug or something to hug me but what I really wanted was for him to desire me I wanted to feel desired and cherished and adored and that just never was going to get me there in fact uh, it just made the problem worse so it's just interesting to me that the things that really work are were so hard to come by. Absolutely. So we've gone over um, why sex is greater in a marriage. So what can our listeners do if it's not? How can they make it better? So, well, I think so. One of the common problems that I hear about um, from women is that their husbands just aren't don't seem very interested. And I know for me that um, that had to do with me becoming the porcupine wife who I had a lot of criticism for him. Um, and, and a lot of my criticism I didn't even recognize 
as criticism because I thought I was just being helpful. So he would say something and I was like, oh, let me help show you how to make a budget or how to write a resume or something like that. Or I, you know, I can help. Well, it turns out that helpful in wife language is actually critical in husband language. And so I was super unappealing. I was coming off like his mom uh, and men are not sexually attracted to their moms. So one of the first places to start is um, to really get the sizzle back in the bedroom is to look at learning to be more respectful. And I think this is one of those topics where um, so many of us were raised knowing like men need respect and women need love. But for me, I just didn't really know what that looked like. From my feminine perspective, I would think, oh, I was respectful. I didn't leave a mess or I let him know where I was going to be or things like that. Well, that has nothing to do with what men consider respect. For my husband, he feels respected if I honor his thinking, if I'm not second guessing or trying to improve on it and also um, celebrate his accomplishments. And that's what um, respect looks like for him. So I'll give you um, an example. Catherine Aaron said, if you can't be a good example, you'll just have to be a horrible warning. So, and this is, um, this is recent, actually, my husband took me out to dinner at kind of a swanky restaurant and we're just having a really nice time. And then he was talking about his, one of his clients. And then I said something critical about one of the clients and he took that as me, like trying to control him to like not do as much, not make that client as high of a priority. And that, and he was right. That's exactly what I was doing. I was like, just in there to control it. And um, he immediately got this look on his face, like, and I could tell he was, um, he was unhappy, you know? And I said, Oh, was that disrespectful? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, and so I have this magical phrase. Thank goodness that I can use to get myself out of jail when that happens. And the phrase is, I apologize for being disrespectful when I, and then I fill in, you know, the thing that I did that was disrespectful, whether it was, you know, rolling my eyes or, um, you know, uh, you know, like trying to improve on his idea or questioning what he just said. And so in this case, I just said, I, apo I apologize for being disrespectful when I criticized your client. And it was like, the wall goes completely down. It's like nothing ever happened. The intimacy is restored immediately. It's like a miracle. And so then we were able to enjoy the rest of our night out at dinner. Now, in the old days, you know, I, I mean, even if I couldn't manage to apologize, I probably would have done something like said, well, I apologize if I was critical of your clients. Like, no, I was critical of the client. <laughs> like throwing it, the word if in there is just going to wreck it. Right. Or I would say something like, you know, I apologize for being disrespectful about your client. But it's just that she doesn't pay you on time. And that makes, you know, I know you get upset about that. And, and then I've just done it again, right? I just kept talking and I've just kind of put my foot in it again. So um, it's been wonderful to know how to be respectful and what to do when I'm not because, um, you know, that's part of how I've become the most beautiful woman in the world to my husband. I think those are awesome examples. And right when you said the example of a helpful wife equals a, equals criticism, yeah. it mm -hmm. totally had a little flashlight go off in my, in my little brain. Cause like specifically last week, Chase and I kind of got into an argument and that was the exact same scenario. I was trying to be helpful and he took it as criticism and it really didn't hit me that that was the situation until hearing you say that. So 
I, I thank you for that. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that self-awareness. It was, it was big for me too, Sarah. I had no concept. I really um, didn't even realize that I was controlling at all. It's like a fish being the last to know he's in the ocean, I think, right? Like, oh, what do you mean I'm controlling? But even once I figured it out that I was controlling, there, um, there was this really painful interlude where I knew that I was controlling and I did not know how to stop. <laughs> and so that was, um, um, yeah, that was excruciating because I knew I was ruining the intimacy in my relationship every time I did it. And yet I just couldn't see a viable alternative. And uh, it turned out that my urge to control underneath that is uh, fear. You know, if I wasn't afraid that we were going to be late, I didn't have to tell him, like, you better not take the freeway right now. It's, you know, take too long. Or if I wasn't afraid he was going to pay the property taxes late, I didn't have to, like, remind him. And But each time I did those things, I was saying, the subtext was, you're not very competent or you don't, you're not really capable or you haven't thought about things. And um, it's painful to think about now, like, how many times a day I would say those things kinds of things and just tear down my husband, um, which of course was, was not what I wanted to do, but my fear felt so big that I just couldn't see another way to do it at first. And then, um, you know, I've since developed this world famous system for relinquishing inappropriate control of your husband. Um, so, uh, I guess, you know, it's something I just want to make sure everybody knows is that it's, there's no such thing as like just, Stop being so controlling. That was what my therapist said to me when she first, you know, I was like, oh, I think I am controlling. She's like, I go, what do I do? And she said, yeah, just stop. You know, I was like, well, that's not so helpful. So, and I found out later on she's kind of controlling in her marriage too. So I think she just couldn't give me what she didn't have. But um, so uh, there's a system, you know, and part of the system is having the support of other like-minded women. I mean, you know, it's tricky to do it by yourself. I needed to be able to, have my fear and maybe like call my girlfriend or my sister and say like, I'm, you know, I'm really afraid my husband's going to, you know, my husband's driving around and the brakes are scraping and I'm really afraid it's dangerous or something like that. Right. And, um, and say it to her and not cost myself the intimacy in my relationship with him, you know, just to be able to show him that I still respected him, but also honor my feelings and um, it's kind of a great thing because over time, my urge to control has really diminished. It just doesn't even seem like a big deal now. Um, like, but it you know really was a big problem for me early on because I just felt so scared all the time. And it's pretty ironic that we uh, often, Sarah and I, can have arguments surrounding our relationship advice podcast. <laughs> Where, <laughs> but it happens because because it, sure. it, it's a relationship and 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 it's healthy and in having the tools to navigate those conflicts is is why we have this podcast to learn for ourselves and and to tell people how to uh to navigate them in their relationships and it was exactly last week our, our last interview like sarah mentioned and it's exactly what i was trying to convey to her at the time she had said i was doing an ad read and she had said uh she reminded me of something she's like don't forget their name is so such and such and and uh and i said i have it under control you know and because i felt like 
she was controlling. And this doesn't happen. Like, and it's great that you were able to work on it. It seems like you were doing it a lot and, and you navigated that. Sarah, I don't want to paint a picture. She's this, that was a rare occasion, but like, I took it like, man, she's, she's, she thinks I'm incompetent and that I can't do this. And whether maybe it wasn't coming from a controlling place, but it didn't feel that way to me. And, uh, this is a great thing to, to point out and to give. And there can be a, an inverse, too, where the, the guy may be doing this to his wife or his girlfriend all the time trying to control them. So it, having having these tools is, is really important to learn to communicate and really that self-awareness that it took from in your situation to to realize, even even though maybe it, it took longer than you than you wish but that you were being controlling and and that was leading to going back on topic maybe less sex in the relationship than you would want or just which can have its ramifications or maybe the sex is there but there's no emotional connection because the the husband is is turned off you know from the the controlling and emotionally he's just not there so really timely for us and and I think great information for our listeners yeah, it's kind of funny when you say it like that, Chase, when you say, she said, you know, don't forget this, and that you took that as a criticism. Every female brain that's listening is just exploding right now. We're like, what? Like that? She just, like, just reminded you, like, what's wrong with that? It really has been so eye-opening for me to see the big distinction between the male perspective, the male culture, and the feminine culture. And... um but it's been wonderful because this, and this kind of ties back into the sex topic because sex is the most exciting and the most exhilarating when your gender contrasts are set to high. You know, men are fundamentally attracted to the feminine mind, body, and spirit. And so when we're showing up truly in our feminine, oh man, they're just like crazy about us, right? And this is um, where passion really springs forth because. For for women, you know, most women I talk to, we just want to feel desired. We want to feel like he just can't resist us. We're totally irresistible to him, and um, and this is exactly where it happens is when we're really being feminine. And so, so I'd hate to um, wrap up this call without talking about the skill that is the essence of femininity, and that is the skill of receiving. And so my mantra now is just receive, receive, receive. And what I mean by that is in the old days, my husband used to say, like, I just we'd wake up in the morning with bed hair and he'd go, wow, you look so beautiful. And I'd be like, no, like, shut up. Not, you know, my hair is like, I'm, what are you talking about? Right. I'd like totally contradict him and just deflect that compliment. Or even we women do it with each other, too. It's like, oh, cute shoes. Oh, thanks. I got them on sale. Right. Or you have cute shoes, too. Right. We just aren't always the most um, gracious about receiving compliments or gifts. Somebody gets us something and, you know, even buys us a cup of coffee. And we're like, oh, you don't have to do that. Or um, also with help. Right. Like you have an armful of file folders and someone says, oh, you want me to help you carry that or clean up after the party? And a lot of times we say, no, that's okay. So sadly, what I was doing was um, preventing my husband from giving me all the cherishing that he wanted to give me. I kind of trained him not to do it because I responded so badly and he couldn't he couldn't really um, break through. He he didn't really have the key. I had the key because he would try to do things and I would turn them away. So 
Um, so another one of the skills that we work on is really just kind of doing what your mom told you right when you're a little girl, like just smile, say thank you, honey. And uh, one of my uh, receiving role models is Kat Dealey, and I, I love her because she is the host of a show called So You Think You Can Dance, and she comes out, she is really beautiful, and so she comes out and the judges say to her, Kat, you look so gorgeous. And she just took it in and smiled big and said, thank you, and nothing more. And then they said to her, and Kat, congratulations on your Emmy nominations. And she just did it again. She took it all in. She smiled big and said, thank you. Now, those judges had also been nominated for Emmys. She could have easily said, oh, and congratulations on your Emmy nominations. But she didn't. She stood there in the white hot spotlight of that praise. And I think it's a big part of why she's so beautiful and so successful is because she's a a wonderfully uh, feminine uh, receiver. Yeah, and to me, that can be a liberating thing, too. I know it's that you say the essence of femininity, but as a guy, I think it's important as well to to not – obviously, you don't want to be boastful, but just – to take it as a compliment and say, you know, thanks. And to me, it's just, I just think of, and when you describe that, it it is an attractive trait in a woman. I definitely think that, but I think of it just as an individual, regardless male or female, that it's a liberating thing. Like you're not, you're just like, yeah, thanks. You know, and it doesn't have to be about your ego. It's just like, take the compliment. And, and, uh, because you, you worked maybe you worked hard at it obviously looks you're just born that way and lucky for you but but still it's, it it is an attractive trait if if someone you know beauty is subjective and if someone's confident and and they get a compliment and they're like thanks i know you know that's that's kind of what they're saying and that's a that's a great little tidbit there Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because we've been talking about sex too this morning, and I think sex is a great metaphor because uh, as women we are built to receive in, in bed, and so um, I, I saw sometimes point to that like this is, and also we have the only organ on the human body that's designed just for our pleasure and no other reason, and so that's a kind of great metaphor too for how important um, female pleasure is, like how important it is for us to enjoy ourselves, not just in sex, but in every area. So, um, so I think there's like clues to, um, you know, the way we're designed kind of give clues to some of the things that, um, are important and can really enhance a relationship if you focus on them, uh, like, like these feminine gifts I'm talking about. Well, Laura, this is all really great information. We could talk for days, but we got to move forward to the lasting love round. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Talkspace. If you listen to this show, you've heard us talk about it probably for about the last month. And what it is, is it's an app that connects you with a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. And listening to this podcast is great. You're going to get a lot of great information from our guests. But a lot of times to really see change in yourself, in your relationship, it's helpful to talk to a licensed expert. And that's what Talkspace makes it easier than ever to do. So what you need to do is go to Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's one word. And you will get $30 off your first month. 
that helps the podcast, it helps us, and it's going to help you. So again, that's Talkspace.com forward slash I do, that's I-D-O, and you will get a $30 discount on your first month, and you're going to improve yourself, improve your relationship from the comfort of your home off of your smartphone. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Mm. Well, I would love for everyone to get all six intimacy skills. We touched on a few of them here today, but for me, you know, they all work together beautifully and I want everyone to have them. But let me give you this one magical phrase that you can use to get your, um, you know, especially for women to get their husbands to open up and really tell you what he's thinking, what's on his mind. But it's certainly a handy thing for for husbands to use also. Um, And this magical phrase is three words. I hear you. I hear you. That's it. Nothing more. It doesn't mean that you agree. doesn't mean that you disagree. It just means that you are listening. You are bearing witness to them and their experience that they are important to you. Uh, and it can really create um, just unspeakably wonderful intimacy and connection. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship? Yes. I have something really exciting going on right now. Actually, it's the Get Cherished challenge so my new book is called empowered wives and it lays out all the six intimacy skills step by step but if you go to getcherished.com and enter the challenge well i'll send you five little experiments that you can try in your relationship and just see what happens see if you can make your husband's head explode in a good way of course chase so um and then you can also read a free chapter of empowered the empowered wife and then also another exciting uh, resource that I have right now, and it's free for Amazon Prime members, or you can get a, a free one-month trial of Amazon Prime, and it'll be free for you too. And that is my new TV series, uh, Empowered Wives, on Amazon Prime. Awesome. Well, we are Amazon Prime members, so we will be checking that out this afternoon. <laughs> and in addition, all of those uh, links in your book will be on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. We've been married for two years now. Is there any advice you'd give newlyweds? Oh, my gosh. I love it. Well, um, I guess if I could go back and talk to myself um, when I had been married for just two years, probably the the number one thing that I would um, tell myself is to um, do at least three things a day for my own enjoyment, my own happiness. I know it sounds kind of a, like a silly thing for a relationship, but... Um, what happened was uh, because my husband made me so happy when we fell in love, when I became unhappy, I thought it was because he wasn't making me happy anymore. So a big turning point for me was just taking responsibility for making myself ridiculously happy again and becoming the, the goddess of fun and light that he originally fell in love with, which I feel like is the real me. And so um, so the, my one big uh, suggestion would be uh, for you, Sarah, really just be to uh, – Put the the self-care and replenishing your spirit at the top of your list um, instead of where I had it, which was at the bottom. And, of course, things never happen if they're at the bottom of your list. So, um, yeah, making yourself happy is a great way to make your husband happy because he mentioned it was very important to him that you were happy. So it's really kind of a gift to him as well. 
And as a new mom, I know that's something that's very important to do and something I've been working on um, these past couple months. So I think that's a great recommendation. Well, it sounds like you didn't even need that advice. You're already on top of it. So that's good. good good. Yeah. Not everyone's as um, hopeless as I was when I first got married. So, but so I appreciate hearing that's already, that's already on your radar. That's good stuff. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? Yes. Well, um, so I have a book called The Surrendered Single where I lay out the intimacy skills for and how you can apply them to attract and marry the man who's right for you. But I think the number one thing that I would say to a single woman is that um, to get in touch and um, really just rely on your feminine gifts. So, and there's five of them. And um, this is, you know, women are the sexier sex. We're the ones with the tail feathers in our species. And there's evidence of this everywhere, right? Like we have ladies night at at clubs and, um, you know, dance places or whatever, bars. And that's, you know, you never hear about gentlemen's night. You only hear about ladies night. And that's because the proprietors know, hey, if I fill this place up with women, the men will be happy to come and pay. <laughs> so uh, we are the ones with the, the magnetism. So um, so for me, it was uh, really uh, eye-opening to realize that, um, you know, I didn't need to find him or chase him or pursue him, um, but that just uh, being receptive was actually so much more powerful and felt so much better. I felt like a round peg in a round hole instead of a square peg in a round hole. So um, I would say um, that that receiving tip that we talked about earlier is going to be key for you. Awesome. Well, Laura, this interview has been so enlightening and so much great information. So let's wrap up where, so you can tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, go to getcherished.com, enter the get challenge. Ch- I'm sorry, get cherished challenge. It's like got milk, but it's getting cherished <laughs> challenge and um, get those little experiments to try in your relationship, read a little bit of empowered wife uh, and uh, go to Amazon and see the empowered wives show. If you're a more visual person and it'll give you, it'll really give you a good taste of what the skills look like for, Real women in a variety of situations, some where they're just looking to re, uh, regain the sizzle in their relationship and other ones that seem completely hopeless. But you know what? We find almost no marriage is hopeless. Once the woman has the six intimacy skills and she's practicing them, we uh, not only see miracles happen, we see them all the time to paraphrase Thomas Wolfe. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show. Thank you, Sarah and Chase. This has been great. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't done so already, head on over to our website, idopodcast.com to check out this episode's show notes and to sign up for our newsletter.